Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Y'all doing good? Glad you're here today. Um, I, I want to share just real quick what I felt like the Lord was just saying um, prophetically this morning, what he was showing me. I was sitting, uh, came, came with the family, and they, uh, they all got out and, and went into church, and I was going to stay in the car and just kind of look over my notes. And I, um, as I was sitting there, I watched people pulling into the parking lot, and they were our volunteers. And um, one of them being Beth White, she's, she's teaching in elementary today, both services, and always does an, an amazing job with our kids and your kids. Uh, but I, as I was watching her pull in, um, well, I, I, was, I was sitting amongst the cars knowing that the whole worship team and tech team had been here since 7 a.m. getting ready for today and all the things. I'm like, you know, what we're a part of today is, is way bigger than we might think. Um, it's so much bigger than just coming to two hopefully good services at Renew Life Church. It's so much more than us just, uh, you know, I, I, kind of in our, our mindset for the Western church where we come, we're like, man, I hope, hope the worship's good today. Hope they sing at least one of my favorite songs. Hadn't heard Reckless Love in a while. Where's that one? <laughs> kind, of, kind of offended. <clears throat> you know, more than just, we haven't sang that in a long time, I know. Um, you know, like, or, my, or my, my favorite song, or I hope the message is good today. I hope it meets where I'm at in life. And we have all these thoughts. And what I was reminded of is, as I saw Beth pull into the parking lot and others pull in, I'm like, man, what she gets to do today in the kingdom is important. What she's doing in the kingdom today is very important. Leading our kids. I was just in there watching them get up there, and they were quoting their memory verse. I think they have a lot of motivation because they get a ticket to win some kind of prize or something if they do that. Which, by the way, we should bring back reckless love and prizes in adult church. That's what we should do. That's where we should be at right now. What are we doing with our lives? Um, but uh, it was like the Lord, the Lord has done this to me a handful of times now where I, just, I, I begin to see the big picture. And I began to see, man, the reason we get to do what we're doing today is because generations before us, long, long ago, there were parents who were telling stories about Moses to their kids. They were passing down the stories of old. They were passing down the miracles of God. They were passing down what Jesus did and telling story after story after story. And we're literally attached to them. Those are our people. The, the, the people who have gone before us in faith. I'm talking about the crazy ones like Enoch who was walking with God and just wasn't anymore. He just, like I'm just, uh, he was and then he wasn't is what scripture says. I guess he just translated right up into heaven. I'm talking about the, the people of faith like Abraham and Noah and just the list goes on and on. Like, I don't know if you've ever been a part of a team before, but like that's our team. Scripture even says, there, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. I would argue today that there's people in heaven cheering us on today. And they're, they're expecting us to carry on the legacy. And it's like, when we're here today, that's what's happening. It's not another church service. We're carrying on the legacy. We're, we're furthering the kingdom. We're keeping it going. We're keeping the fire lit, the torch lit. <laughs> Amen? So look at your neighbor and say, 
you needed this today. <laughs> I was going to have something more clever, but, oh, look at your neighbor and say, carry the torch. Look at your other neighbor and say, light my fire. That was from Braden. I stole it. He just gave me a little plug right there. <clears throat> awesome. Well, excited to share uh, the message today. Open up to Luke chapter 5 if you have your Bible. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. As you know, that is my favorite. Why, Blake? Because it's written at a fifth grade level, that's why. And it just helps me understand what's really going on. Anybody still read the King James Version? Raise your hand. Yeah, right. Number one, yeah, right. Number two, I believe you. Just switch. It's time to switch, man. You don't even have to go all the way. Just go New King James. You ain't got to go all the way to NIV. Just stop right at New King. <laughs> okay, it is New King James. Okay, so I caught you in a lie. Is that what you're saying? You, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> all right, <laughs> New Living Translation. Here we go. Luke chapter 5. Love this story. It says, One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Verse 22, Jesus knew what they were thinking. I want to stop there for just a second. I don't know if you've ever caught this in this story. The, the religious people didn't say out loud, who does he think that he is? They thought it. And Jesus knew what they were thinking. It's one thing to be corrected when you say something out loud. It's a whole nother thing to be corrected when you think it. He, Jesus was pulling out all the stops in this one. I think it's worth noting that <clears throat> we see throughout Scripture many, many supernatural, unnatural occurrences. You could read the story and be like, oh man, he healed this guy who had been paralyzed. Yeah, that's, a, that's an amazing miracle. Absolutely. But how many of you know it was a miracle that he was able to read their thoughts? And the point that I just want to make, it has nothing to do with my message today, but the point that I want to make is the same spirit that dwelt in Jesus dwells in you. And you're more spiritual than you think that you are. You have the ability to pick up and discern things about people, about atmospheres, about beings, about what to pray for when you're praying over someone, that maybe it's something they're going through, maybe it's a spirit attacking them. How, how, how on earth could you possibly pick up on that? Well, Jesus was able to read these guys' thoughts, and he lives in you. You say, that's weird. Are you saying that we can tell the future? Maybe. We can tell what people are thinking? Maybe. Some are like, I'm never coming back. I hope you can't tell what I'm thinking. <laughs> can you imagine if I was preaching a message and just be like, oh, yeah, by the way, sir, I can tell that you're not agreeing with this message. That'd be, that'd be the last time he came. That's what would happen. <clears throat> okay, not the point of the message, but you're spiritual. Look at your neighbor and say you're spiritual. And look back right at him and go, you're spiritual. Okay, don't do it. All right, moving on. 
Verse 21, but the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. I'll never forget what my, my oldest son, Jackson, he's 12 now, but he was probably seven or eight at the time. I'll never forget what he said to me the first time he heard this story. When you read the story, you look, you, could, you can agree, like the focal point of the story is this man was paralyzed and he got healed. That's, that's the whole point of the story, right? But I love the perspective that my seven-year-old had. He looked at me and he said, man, what great friends. Man, what great friends. It's something that I would have never seen. You think about the friends that must have, what they went through to get their, their friend in need to get him to Jesus. They couldn't get in through the front door, not because it was locked, but because there was too many people who wanted Jesus. And they, they didn't accept no for an answer. They found a way. I mean, who thinks to, first of all, how'd they get him up there? How? <laughs> you ever tried to move a man before? It's just like, it's like, you can't just, it's kind of hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> They didn't have a, a forklift or a something kind of lift. As y'all can tell, I'm versed in construction. Um, they, didn't, they, didn't have, they didn't have that to get, they had to get them up there. I mean, they tore a hole through the roof. Whose roof was it? They didn't care. I mean, they just did a lot of crazy things to get their friend to Jesus. We went to, a, um, we went to an art show this, uh, this week, same son, Jackson, at, at Trinity Christian Schools where he goes, and they had like an art gallery. We walked in and they had different artwork that all the middle schoolers have done. And on the wall was this story. That these kids had drawn this story. And um, there were a couple of pictures that really grabbed my attention. And, and um, they drew this story from the perspective of the paralyzed man being lowered down by his friends. And the whole picture was his view of being lowered down looking up at his friends. I was just like, that is, man, I could feel the Lord on it. Imagine, imagine how that guy must have felt. Imagine the love that he must have seen. Now imagine in the, out of the, the three or four friends that were probably helping him, there was probably one who was a lot like you. They, he was the serious one. He was the one leading the whole thing, directing everybody. Hey, lower your rope faster. Hey, you go, go, and was directing the whole thing. Then you probably had the fun friend who was like, oh, bro, we're doing this. (laughs) Then you you probably had the sentimental friend who was crying the whole time. He's lowered his friend. He's about to be healed. You know, the guy who was cheering him on. I mean, I don't want to put too much into the text, but you have to realize this was a real thing. These were real people. And here we have a group of people helping out someone who really needed help. 
You know, what, you know what Paul actually teaches in the story? It says when he saw their faith. When he saw their faith. The four in the ceiling. When he saw their faith, he healed them. The man was healed because of the faith of his friends. And today I, I wanted to start off that way because I, I want to talk to you about how, how do we become friends like that? How do we become a people who love those who really need some help? Not only that, how do we become a people who have faith for people who really need some help? I'm talking about being not just for our friends, not just for the people that we like, because I believe that God has actually called us as followers of Jesus to love those who aren't like us, to love those who don't look like us, to love those who really need some help, to love those who are paralyzed with fear, to love those who are stuck in shame, to love those who are stuck in homosexuality, to love those who are stuck in not knowing who they are, who are completely confused. This isn't a very deep message, but it's a very timely one. And honestly, can be very convicting. Because today I want to talk to you about loving people. And people are hard to love. <laughs> it is what it is, right? People hurt us. People vote for different presidents than we do. They're dumb, but they do. I was just, just saying what you were thinking. I was just saying what you were thinking. That wasn't my opinion. I was just, I was doing what Jesus did. I was reading your thoughts. <clears throat> they, they, they have different opinions and look at the world differently in. You know, they dye their hair. I like it. I like it, by the way. It's looking great. Like, people are just, we're different. And we're called to love people. So how do we become a people that would lower someone in need and get them to Jesus, no matter what the cost? Um, I want to share how we actually do that. Would you pray with me? I'm going to title the message, Seeing People Through the Lens of Grace. Yeah, God, we ask you just to um, help us. We desire, to, we desire to actually lay down our beliefs, lay down our emotions, lay down what we might feel, lay down um, our political view, lay everything at your feet and say, we want your way. We want to love like you love. We want to think like you think. We want to be like you. And so in this time, Lord, I pray that you would, that you would uh, just... Um, dig out and um, push out the things that don't belong. And in place, you would, you would put in your love and your grace and your mercy for the people that you so love and gave your son for. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Galatians chapter 5 <clears throat> is where I want to start reading verses 1 through 6 and then jump to verse 13. I believe this gives us a, some insight into how we actually how we actually learn how to love people. Um, this is a really bad plan. I'll start with this. It's a really bad plan for you to leave here trying really hard to love people. That won't work real well. Because the more you try hard to love people, the more you're going to see that that's wrong with them. The more you're going to see the things that you don't love. You're going to be, in other words, your focus is going to be at the things that are negative about them. 
Because you're going to be thinking, oh, I'm just going to get around all these people who are messed up. I'm good. They're messed up. And I got to figure out how to love them. It's, not, it's actually not about you trying harder. And Paul actually gives us the way, one of the ways that we, we, um, we come into loving people the way that God loves them. <clears throat> verse, verse 1 says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit, that's you and me, eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, look at this, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Verse 13, for you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. Here in the text, we see Paul, he's writing to the, to the church. He's writing to believers. And he starts off by teaching them the difference between the law and grace. He's, he's teaching them the difference between living by the law and what it looks like to live by grace. And he's using um, what I believe, he's, he's kind of pointing out a, a topic that is, uh, that's going to step on their toes the most. You see, the Jewish people at that time, they believed you needed to be circumcised. It is what, they, is what generation after generation had been, they've been taught. It's what generation after generation had done. This is what it means to follow God. It starts with this one thing. You are not a child of God unless you are this. And here comes Paul after Jesus, after the new covenant's been established. Here comes Paul and he goes, oh yeah, the way that they've been doing it for thousands of years, no benefit to you. Now, that rocked them. That, that messed up their theology. But what he was really trying to say and what, he said, what's he, what he's saying to us today is that you can't be justified by anything that you do. If you're looking to be justified by some action, you've been cut off from Christ. You've, you've fallen from grace. That, that, that it's, like, it's, it's pretty much like if you're trying to be justified by your works, it's almost as if you're saying, Jesus, what you did wasn't enough. Jesus, you didn't really finish it. We've been talking about this for the last, well, the, the, this whole year. But I'm, 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 I'm taking you someplace. So here, here we, we realize he's like, okay, this, this is actually no benefit. But he makes this statement. He said, but what's important, here's what's important, faith expressing itself in love. You know what happens to you when you realize who you really are in Christ? 
You know what happens to you when you realize that you don't have to deserve it or earn it? You know what happens to you when you realize that the unmerited, undeserved favor of God is on your life? It gives you faith. What kind of faith? A kind of faith that has you walking around like good things are going to happen to you. It's not, a, it's not a cockiness. It's not a pridefulness. It's walking around going, oh, yeah, the law is no benefit to me. Me, me checking the box of church did nothing for me today. If that's what it was. If it was just to check the box, it did nothing. But if you came here out of a motivation and love for God, it did do something. It's, it's walking around, it gives you faith. And here's what, here's what Paul teaches. That faith expresses itself in love. It gives you faith and belief. And all of a sudden, what begins to happen, here's what I love about grace. It frees you from yourself. Grace frees you from yourself. You want to know how? Because you ain't got to worry about much. Grace says you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Grace says that your sins are forgiven. Grace says that you're holy, that you're a royal priesthood. Grace says you don't have to earn it or deserve it. And all of a sudden, when it gets out of here and gets into here, pressure begins to fall off and freedom comes. This is the freedom that, that Leanne was talking about. This is what, what Paul was talking about here. He says, there's freedom in Christ. When you understand the new, God, the, the, the new covenant, when you understand grace, freedom comes. Now make sure you stay free. Isn't it interesting that he even goes back and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Notice the terms that he uses. Grace equals freedom. Law equals slavery. It, it, when I begin to, to let that grace in, and that message, it gives me faith. And then it begins to get expressed in love towards who? Towards God and towards people. We actually really start to love God. Why do you start to love God? Because he loves us. You love because he first loved you. We, we act, you know why we start to love God? Because we realize how unlovable we are. And he loves us anyway. Am I the only one that's going to admit that this morning? Like we're kind of unlovable sometimes? Like you wake up. Every day I wake up unlovable. I need a cup of coffee to become lovable. It, you, you start to realize how good he's been to you. And, and, the, and the view that you have of him begins to affect things. The faith that is, is, is poured into you begins to pour out in love. And here's where I'm going with this today. You want to be someone who would lower a friend down through a roof, would do anything for people around you? It actually starts with an understanding of his grace for you. You want to know why? Because it's really hard to love people when all you can do is think about yourself. It's really hard to love people when all, we, when all we're worried about is ourself. What has, you, what has you worried about yourself? A misunderstanding of grace. A misunderstanding of the covenant that you live in. What has you worrying about yourself is, 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 a, is someone who lives in slavery to the law. See, I, I can't live a life where I'm going around trying to fix myself, 
trying to get rid of this in my life and do this so that he'll accept me. And in my whole, all of my thinking, and you pace around in your head. This is what you do in your head. I'm going to tinker with this and fix this. And if I could do this, and if I could, man, if I could just. You have no time to love anyone because you have no time to think about anyone. And grace frees you from that crap. Grace says, you're righteous, you're good, now go love people. I've made you the righteousness of God. Go love God and go love people. It's so freeing when you, this is why Paul was like, it's, it, there's freedom. There's freedom in him. There's freedom in what Jesus did. And then, he, and then here's where it all comes together in verse 13. He says, for you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. The beauty of grace is it frees you to love him and to love people. The beauty of grace, the beauty of Jesus, is he frees you from a life that's all about us. Just this week, this is not to brag on myself, but I am kind of proud that I did this. Um, I went to help my friend Blake here. He's a realtor. If you need a house, come to him. And yeah, moving on. Sorry if you're a realtor in here and I didn't promote you. Um, <clears throat> but he was, he was uh, he's working on this house. And in order to kind of get it all set, he had to go and help the owner move beds out and dressers out. And he called me. He's like, hey, you think you can come help me? And I'm like, hey, no. <laughs> because the last thing that I want to do is move furniture. I, mean, I don't know if you were here about four months ago, but I, I kind of put it out to the church. Don't ask me ever to help you move. <laughs> I'm just going to lay it out there. I, don't, I never want to be asked. Now, if you do ask me, I'll just lovingly say no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But he asked me, he asked, no, actually not kidding. I probably won't help you because it just, it hurts. It really hurts. And I went to go help him. I went to go help him and we're moving beds in and dressers in and I'm just, I'm hurting. And I'm like, you're literally the only reason I'm doing this. There's, there's, I have, ne I don't just not want to, I have like negative want to, to help you do all this. <laughs> but I love you and I will help you. And, and that, that's, that's just what love will do. That's just what loving others looks, looks like. It's this, I'm, I'm free, I'm actually free to, not worry about myself and where I'm at. I'm actually free to, what, what do you need? How can I help you? How can I, how can I love you? And, and here's the really, really good news for all of us. Jesus doesn't say, hey, once you get the education of Dr. Phil, go love people. Once you get trained in all the things, freedom ministry, once you become a therapist, then you're, then you're useful in the kingdom. He just says, go love people. It's not complicated. It's as simple as helping someone move furniture that you don't want to move. Just, that I don't want to move. <laughs> it's okay, man. It's, right. <clears throat> it's, it's just having, it's coming alongside someone and just loving them the way that you already know how. 
We don't have to have all the answers, but we love. So interesting to me that the people, the guy who was paralyzed, his friends didn't heal him. They just got him to the place where he needed healing. They were just willing to do what they knew. And they didn't stop at the first obstacle. They were willing to go the extra mile. What causes you to do that? Love. You say, well, how do I, how do I grab hold of this love? <clears throat> Don't try to go love harder. Focus on what, how much he loves you. You want the real answer? Jesus. It's the, it's the answer that works for every question a pastor ever asks. How do, I, how do I really start loving people that way? Jesus. You want to know how you begin to love people the way that he loves them? You actually start to focus on his love for you. It's his love for you that actually what, what will happen is it will fill up your soul so much to a place that it actually begins to overflow into other people. It's faith expressing itself in love. 1 John 4.10 says it this way, or 4.11 through 12. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, notice where it starts. Since God loved us, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and here it is, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Love is not something that we do. Love is something that comes out of us. Does that make sense? How do you get the love in you? You start reading the scripture and focusing on the love that he has for you. The unconditional love he has for you. The unmerited, unearned grace, favor of God on your life. The blessing of God on your life. The fact that he calls you righteous. And the more that I realize that, the more that I, I, I realize how loved I am, the more that I actually begin to pour out that love to the people around me. I, I, I want to say this. <clears throat> um, I believe this is paramount in the world that we live in today. Because everything that we are fed is coming against love for people. Everything you, you get in your feed on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or every, every news outlet you read, even there are, there are even algorithms not working on our behalf that are pushing you the agenda that you like to hear. And they're pushing the agenda that you get fired up about. And I'll just be, can I just be super honest with you today? It is, it's actually really hard to love people. It can be really difficult. Right now in our country and in our world, there is an agenda being pushed that is, in pure, that is pure evil and attacking the identity of our kids and the people that, that we live around. This whole transgender agenda push that's going on, it is one, let me just say this, it's 100% evil and it's wrong. 
And it, as believers, we have to be, be okay with standing up and going, calling sin what it is. Sin is sin. It's, it's wrong. Homosexuality is wrong. You were created, male and female. I don't mean to be crude, but it's not confusing. Look down, you'll figure it out. It's not hard. And that's just, I don't mean that insensitive. That is the truth. It's just the truth. Like, I got her on the front row. She's just, the joy, joy bomb hit her with that joke. All right. <clears throat> it's, it's just real. Now, now here's, here's, here's the problem is that what we are fed and what we see are the most disturbing and offensive messages about that whole group of people. My personal, personal example, just the other day I'm watching, and I'm watching this man who believes that he's a woman try to get into a woman's locker room and bathroom, and a mom is standing up for her, her girls, and it's getting heated. Now, when I watch that, I don't have to explain what I might feel and what I might want to do. Probably the same thing that you want to do. And so everything that we're fed is that. But what we don't see is we don't see the man who got sexually abused as a kid and has, and I, I almost see it, that, that has trapped himself in his room growing up looking for someone or something to bring some type of identity to him because he's hurt and he's been messed up and it's, he was a victim and it wasn't his fault. And he's just looking for something to go, I'm, I'm something. We don't get told that story, which by the way, did you know a large percentage of those, of, of people who are struggling with transgenderism, they, they were sexually abused as a kid. See, you can stand up and you can have a standard and call sin what it, what it is, but we are still called to love people. We're called to love people that might be just struggling and it's not even their fault. And yeah, we may see the extreme version and we may be offended by the extreme version, but what I'm saying is there is a hurting there are paralyzed people out there. They can't get, he couldn't get to Jesus by himself. It's going to take you. It's going to take me. It's going to take this. See here, Jesus said that he came as what? As grace and truth. There was grace and truth mixed together. He taught us to speak the truth in, say it, love. I don't, this may, this may offend you. It's not all about truth. It's not all about truth. Many Christians think that it's just all about truth. Hold on a second. They won't care what you know until they know that you care. And I, I, the reason I'm saying this, I, I have to realize that I, I have to keep my heart soft towards people. 
I just have to keep my heart soft. And if you're, if you're watching things that don't, stop. Taper it, like make sure that you're, you're monitoring what you're getting in. Because guess who I want in our church? People who are struggling with homosexuality, people who are struggling in their identity, people who are, who, are, who are caught up in pornography, people who've cheated on their wives and husband, people who, people who are people. I don't want just a bunch of Christians in my church. Like we need the, the open seats that are in here today. They're for other people who really need Jesus. How are they gonna get in the seat? Not by standing up on your podium, preaching an unloving message. No, but it comes by someone who would stand up and share the truth in love. Say, man, I actually wanna help you. And I'm preaching to myself today. <laughs> I wanna love like he loved. I wanna love like he loved. I want to be a good friend. And I want to be, I want to be a friend that someone would look, look at and be like, man, he'd lower me down. He'd, he'd straight sawzall a hole in someone's roof for me. There again, you see my tools, sawzall construction. I'm making my way back up to manhood. Y'all questioned me before, not, not now, sawzall. I'll say it again. Chainsaw, hammer, screwdriver. the Lord. <clears throat> Come on, I think you get the point. Um, if you know someone right now, this is, this is interesting. If you know someone who's struggling with homosexuality, who's struggling with uh, just in the, the transgender world and their identity, raise your hand. Look around. Keep your hand up for a second and look around. After seeing both services, I would say that it's close to 40%. 40% of you know someone in this place. And I just so happen to believe, I just so happen to believe that you're the answer. That you're in their life for a reason. You're in their life to stand up for what's right and you're in their life to love them. You're in their life to hold their hand as they walk on that journey. You're in their life to just stay close. Maybe you don't get to say anything for 10 years, but you just stay close. And you know what you're gonna need? You're gonna need faith. And you're gonna need that faith to express itself in love. How do you get that faith? Stay close to Jesus. Stay connected to his love for you. Stay connected to his favor over you. Knowing you didn't earn it or deserve it and they don't have to either. If they would just believe, if they would just believe and that's where you're taking them, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.